politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back to the Conservative Review podcast here at Conservative Review's Northern Command on this informal Friday, August 9th. And yes, I am without a jacket today because I just feel like throwing it away. I didn't shave this morning. Didn't wear my jacket. I don't know. Sometimes, some days I feel like doing what everyone else does in this business, just uh, just giving up. But then, I think like all of you in this audience, damn it, I just care too much. And it's so hard to give up on our country when we don't have a political party and a movement, at least at a professional level, that represents our views. As we've been talking about this week, nowhere is this more evident than with the issues of crime, law and order, the border, terrorism, national security threats. If all else failed, we never had a party of limited government on fiscal economic issues, social issues, that's been thrown out the window. But if all else failed, we always at least had some voice on law and order. And that's really how Republicans have won and then they beat Democrats since Reagan made that really the third pillar of his 1980 revolution, fighting crime. We need tougher sentences. More people need to be locked up, stronger deterrent. Nothing. That is over with. That is gone. Rather than promoting an agenda to relentlessly fight, not in September, come back from your stupid recess right now and focus on sanctuaries, the death penalty, How there are so many loopholes at every level of the criminal justice system that allow too many really bad people to be let go. Instead of casting a wide net on constitutional rights of everyone, target the people. Enforce immigration laws. Deal with the cartels at our border. But instead, we have uh, Mitch McConnell. Uh, Mitch McConnell said yesterday, this is from Politico, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said Thursday that strengthening background checks and red flag laws will lead to the discussion on on addressing gun violence in the wake of two mass shootings that left at least 31 people dead. McConnell's remarks on Kentucky News Radio should follow a conversation he had Thursday morning with President Donald Trump, who has called for revisiting stricter background checks for gun buyers, as well as red flag laws. The president called me this morning about this. He's anxious to get an outcome. So am I, said McConnell, who added that he spoke to Trump about starting staff-level discussions about reforming the nation's gun laws in preparation for the Senate's return from recess in September. Those two items for sure will be front and center. All right. So when it comes to Mitch, we literally have the best counter-narrative to the left right now. We have the pillow criminal alien murderer who killed at least 19 seniors by smothering them with nothing more than a pillow. And he could have been deported five times and he wasn't deported. And he does a mass murder, which is at least as heinous as El Paso with nothing more than a pillow. Then we have this case now out of um, California, Zachary Castaneda, who we now know was a gang member 
released under a criminal justice reform jailbreak program who killed four people with a knife. So what do you see? We have bad people that should have been known and were let go and killed with non-guns. It's people who kill, bad people who kill, not items. And they won't talk about it. This has been what we've been focused on throughout the week. But Chuck Ross from the Daily Caller reported that police say the suspect, Zachary Castaneda, was a gang member who was released early from prison as a result of AB 109, an initiative to cut the state prison population. Cops were heavily critical of AB 109 during the presser. Folks, there has been the most relentless, dangerous effort in all 50 states, as well as now on the federal level, to reverse the positive trend of the Reagan revolution, to do everything we can to let criminals out of jail. Imagine that. Now, like, okay, maybe there's a couple of categories of types of people we could have, you know, lenient offenses, lenient sentences. No. Prison population too big. Cut it at all costs. Just arbitrarily. Let's just, just cut it. You are looking at the movement that's against this. On a professional level, I mean, I know the majority of people are with me. At a professional level, nobody else. I was the only one standing fighting this stupid First Step Act, which was called the First Step Act because there's many more steps behind it. California has catalyzed this, but even the red states are following suit. Abolishing bail. Downgrading criminal offenses. Downgrading sentences. Letting these people serve in these third-party um, halfway houses. Very secure institutions. Every loophole under the sun to ensure these people aren't locked up. We used to all understand that. Even liberal Republicans, even a number of Democrats used to understand that on net, we have a violent culture, unfortunately. And that's the point. This is why we need to broaden the debate. It's not just about a certain type of shooting. Look at all the shootings and knifings in all these places. Everyone's like, why doesn't Japan have a mass shooting problem? Well, all these other developed countries, guess what? They don't have the general violence problem we have. Why don't you answer that question? That's been a longstanding problem, and, you, and we could discuss why that's true. I had on Congressman Massey at the beginning of the week. We talked about the, that a little bit. But the reality is we have a very violent culture in this country for too long. It manifests itself different ways, and there's different trends. But for a first-world country, we have a lot of violent crime. There's this notion that we lock too many people up for, oh, just doing drugs. And it's a lie. We don't lock up anyone anymore. Right now, blacks comprise 37.5% of prisons. They say we need to let people go because we're locking up too many black people. And it's drugs. If you let out every single person charged for drugs, and that includes mainly drug trafficking and people that are parts of gangs and they've done a lot of murders and robberies, but we only convict them on drug charges, still the population of blacks, the composition of blacks in um, prison would not change. 
would be about 37%. I want to give you some statistics I've culled from the FBI uniform crime data from 2017. And that is, where are we here? Just in one year, one year, 6,013 murder cases went uncleared by law enforcement. 79,310 rape cases uncleared. 206,091 robbery cases and 359,190 aggravated assaults. And those are just the ones reported. Uncleared. Meaning they either didn't catch the guy or didn't convict the guy. That doesn't nearly account for those that were cleared. Like, let's say someone rapes five people and they serve three minutes in jail. That's counted as a cleared case because it was solved. It's solved. He was convicted. Now he was let out after three days. But that happens all the time. For every one sob story you could show me of a person, oh, might have been oversentenced. I could show you a thousand that we all agree under anyone's definition, under anyone's standards was legitimately violent as, as anything, and they were under-sentenced or not sentenced at all. Those are hundreds of thousands of people every year, each year it reoccurs, that aren't locked up. So even if we let out every last person for some sort of drug charges, but we convicted everyone and found everyone we all agree are violent, the four major violent categories, murder, rape, armed robbery, and aggravated assault, the prison population would swell. Now, in my view, if you actually had real law and order and cut out the 50 million loopholes that are 50 light years away from the due process our founders established, created by the broken, immoral legal profession, and if you actually swiftly convicted these people and you swiftly gave the death penalty to the people who deserved it within three months, public hanging, like we did at the time of the founding. So you can't tell me, oh, it violates the Eighth Amendment. Oh, oh, I guess our founders didn't know about the Eighth Amendment. Guess what? You'd have fewer people in prison because you'd have fewer people doing crimes. See, when you put the goal of prison reduction ahead of the goal of crime reduction, you get neither. The same way at the border, when you put the humanitarian goal ahead of the security for Americans goal, you get neither. You don't deter it. You don't stop it. We used to all understand this as a party. Now, every single think tank, every single political group, everyone you know is bought out. A handful of people voted against that stupid First Step Act. So this guy that stabbed four people to death in Southern California, he was let out under this thing of downgrading the sentencing. Oh, it's, oh, I forget what the charges were, but oh, it's low level. And they're not low level. And these are, this was a state guy. You could imagine the guys serving time for racketeering and drug charges on a federal level. Man, those are your MS-13 folks. Under the Republican bill, a third of their sentencing lopped off. And they want more. They want more. And California has done this all over the place. They, they abolished jail, a bail. This was SB 10 they recently passed. Um, they had Prop 47 where they downgraded all these offenses. Violent crime has risen by 13% since then in California. 
significant uptick in uh, burglary, larceny, auto theft in 2015, 2016 since they passed it, where we have data. This is where we go. This is where we're headed. Every, but every state, this jailbreak movement is there. It's going unanswered. So many people don't even realize this. In my own town of Baltimore, Rafael Manuel of the Manhattan Institute, really one of the only, the only outlet I know that's still fighting this. That's where our friend uh, Heather McDonald works. Um, maybe we'll get her on the show one day. He wrote a column in the New York Post between 20, 2007, 2017. Maryland cut its prison population by 22.9%, according to the Vera Institute of Justice study. And he pointed out that um, just, just in two years, two years, 2016 and 2017, Maryland dropped it by 10%. And he notes that rapid large-scale um, de-incarceration puts dangerous repeat offenders back on the street. According to Baltimore police stats, more than a third of the homicide suspects, more than a third of the homicide suspects in 2017, that was the year that Baltimore set the record and had the highest per capita in the nation, highest per capita homicides was like 345, but per capita, it was the most. More than a third were on probation or parole when their alleged offenses were committed. And yet, not only will Republicans not fight back on this, they agree to it. We need criminal justice reform. Yeah, let me tell you something. We need criminal justice reform badly. The type of reform that Reagan started and wanted. The exclusionary rule, throwing out evidence, all this stuff that he fought against. Do you know something? Do you want to know how much the conservative Teletubby movement has changed over the years? Ed Meese, Reagan's attorney general, was once asked, what's the first court case you would want to overturn? Supreme Court decision. And you'd think he'd say Roe v. Wade. You know what he said? Miranda. Miranda, it's made up. It's made up by the courts. All of this stuff is made up. And we have no movement to fight it anymore. One after another. Look, I just, just got a message, you know, just a couple of moments ago. You might have heard my phone peeping. And uh, from, from an ICE official in Colorado, we spoke about the case of this guy with a massive rap sheet that became an immigrant activist. Uh, Celebrity, he used 50 million loopholes to get out of deportation, was never deported. He killed someone in a, in a car wreck last week. So guess what? There's another case now. On August 7th, 2019, in Logmont, Colorado, deportation officers with ICE arrested Roberto Gutierrez Hernandez, 59, a citizen of Mexico, who was convicted July 15th, 2019 of sex assault of a child. And he was previously deported. Or no, he wasn't. He was given voluntary departure back in the day, never, never got out. That's another thing. All these people we're reading, they all have, um, they all get bond hearings now. And they abscond. And that's the thing. You know, finally, the Trump administration was enforcing our workforce laws where illegal aliens are not allowed to work and half of them they let out on bond humanitarian 
Do you think they're going to show up? They're the consummate flight risk. Any American criminal that would have that equivalent threat of being a flight risk, they wouldn't get that. We don't have the rule of law. There are so many ways to push back against what the left is doing. But I guess it's easier just to agree to it. What happened to the party of law and order? Trump was, Trump was supposed to be the guy to engage in rhetorical combat and jujitsu. No, you're the vermin who are weak on the death penalty, weak on crime, weak on criminals, letting out criminal aliens, sanctuary cities, open borders, cartels, drugs, MS-13. Instead, it's like, yes, Democrats, we need to curb gun violence and go after the first, fourth, fifth, and second amendments. Yes, yes. I mean, come on. This, this is why people voted for the guy. Now we have the sanctuary judge in Oregon. Another federal judge said, the state of Oregon evidently has a constitutional right to federal grant program funding. So they said DOJ can't cut off funding for them violating federal law and harboring criminal aliens and, and uh, in violation of 8 U.S.C. 1324, also uh, um, instructing local law enforcement not to communicate with, with ICE, which is a violation of 8 U.S.C. 1373. But, and by the way, that passed unanimously in the Senate in 1996. Schumer voted for it. Pelosi voted for it. Dianne Feinstein voted for it. Joe Biden voted for it. A judge could just create a right. You know what's funny? States are nothing. I mean, states are reduced to rubble. The same judges that say a state can't define life, a state can't define marriage, it can't define gender, it can't define election law, it can't impose modest work requirements on the state-funded portion of the Medicaid program. But suddenly, when it comes to the one thing that is manifestly federal in nature, like we said yesterday, one of the major reasons why the Articles of Confederation were ditched in favor of the Constitution was so you could have central control over the sovereignty of the whole union so you didn't have obnoxious aliens. That was the term uh, Roger Sherman and Madison used come in because of you know, states that wanted to juice up their representation just quickly by bringing in people. Now suddenly states have control over that. And not only that, states ha could demand, not only could they thwart federal law, they could then demand federal grants. Up is down, down is up. And the danger of this is unbelievable. By the way, there's a new business. You know how at the border, all these dudes are claiming asylum? So in the interior, every time we try to deport someone now, they apply for a U visa. A U visa was designed to allow victims of crime to stay because the police are going to work with them on a case. So now you have, I have a whole list of child molesters now that applied for it. Um, MS-13 folks, gang members, you name it. They all apply now. Why is nobody talking about closing these loopholes? And of course, DHS will put out nothing. To this minute, I was promised uh, some sort of statement. Let me just check my email. As of now, 
That guy, the father of five, who was killed by that activist with a massive criminal record, which I'm told is even worse than I reported. Um, nope, haven't gotten from the Colorado ICE office. <laughs> you could literally have 500 illegals come over and murder Americans tomorrow, and DHS wouldn't even put out a press release. So there's, there is no other side to this. There is no other side. Who is standing up for the forgotten Americans? Every minute, these Republican politicians and Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump are walking around with Jay-Z and, and Kim Kardashian's rear end and all these immoral losers. All these you know criminals. Oh, look, this guy was locked up too much. He's got a second chance. What about giving victims of crime a second chance? What about, how about working on the thousands, hundreds of thousands of cases where murderers and rapists were never locked up or incarcerated or under-incarcerated? I want to read to you a story today from a listener and a viewer. And by the way, you guys do need to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Conserv Conservative Review. Don't just Listen online, watch it if you have a chance to, and like our videos. This is from Heather Robb of Wasilla, Alaska. Full disclosure, I never heard of the place until Sarah Palin. So I'm pretty good with geography, but um, never, never heard of the city. But evidently, what, it's the third biggest city, I think, in uh, or fourth biggest city in Alaska. So she emailed me yesterday and and... You guys could email me at dhorowitz, H-O-R-O-W-I-T-Z, at blazemedia.com. And let me know your story, because no one else is going to be a voice for these people. But you could look, look this up online. Um, her sister was Shauna Robb. And the perpetrator, may he rot in hell, his name was Jordan King, Alaska. You could look it up. It's all true. Alaska, you think it's a red state? Tons of jailbreak provisions, letting people out, this third-party release business. In, in 2015, my twin sister was assaulted by a co-worker who had broken into her house through a doggy door in the middle of the night. He threatened to rape her, then he pistol-whipped her, and he took her to a, rem a remote cabin. She managed to escape, thankfully, and her attacker led police on a high-speed chase in her stolen vehicle, crashing it in the process. Unbelievably, he was released on third-party custodian. Three months later, Jordan King. I mean, that, that, that's a pretty violent, um, first-time nonviolent offenders. Yeah, so that, that's pretty violent, right? So three months later, he, he gets out because um, there's no security at these places, and he goes to the home with a chef's knife, the home of, of, of her sister, Shauna, and he, and he yells, don't you effing scream or I will give you a second smile. Um, those, were the, those were the words my sister heard as he held the knife to her throat and bound her hands. Um, my daughter, which was this woman's um, niece, witnessed the kidnapping, called 911, and she huddled in a closet. We found out later that King absconded from the third party eight hours prior. My sister was not afforded a simple phone call to warn her that he was on the loose. He, was, he, he wasn't even stopped by police. He was even stopped by police sometime during the night and not apprehended. He was stopped. 
He drove them to a pre-planned location where a fight ensued in the backseat of her truck. In a bid for freedom from the backseat, she grabbed this monster by the hair of his head and ran the blade that he had left on the console across his, his throat. Unfortunately, she didn't cut him deep enough. Now, this is a big thing. Like, Democrats are champions of women, right? So, you know, in my state, now Alaska does, you could carry. In my state, you know, no one could carry. And this is a big thing. You know, everyone's like, well, you don't need a gun. Well, you know, if you have, you know, a larger man and, you know, just an average woman that is, is you know, captured by one of these people and kidnapped, even with a knife, I mean, if the guy's a lot stronger, it, it doesn't work and it just puts them in more more danger. It's not it's not an equalizer like a gun is. But anyway, my sister spent 12 hours in the woods with a maniac who had had her tethered to him by a dog leash super glued around her neck. She was beaten, slashed, bitten, and raped repeatedly. Law enforcement was not skilled enough to find them, even though they had found her truck and they were within a half a mile radius the whole time. My sister saved her own life that day, convincing her rapist to turn himself in. No doubt this was providential outcome um, guided, guided by God. My sister was diagnosed with PTSD. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm hoping maybe, maybe we'll have her on the show at some point. But um, basically, basically they said the original charges on the first attack was attempted kidnapping, attempted sexual assault, attempted assault, assault, well, two assault charges, fleeing and vehicle theft. The judge dropped the bail down to no more than $2,500, okay? And he was placed in custody of his parents where he was able to plan, acquire items, and carry out the second attack. His own parents gifted him the chef's knife that he ambushed her with against third-party contractual obligations. And she says King was out, out of the, on the third party awaiting trial when he absconded and attacked her again. Now, ultimately, after the second one, King was charged with 17 crimes, attempted murder, obviously a bunch of rape charges. He was found guilty on all 17. He got 106 years with 11 suspended, so it's 95 to serve. However, he can be eligible for discretionary parole after serving as little as a quarter of the sentence. A quarter of the sentence. So maybe that's 18, 19 years. The guy's in his 20s, mid-20s. So he could get out. The thing about this story is, you know stuff like this happens every single day. They have crying videos of illegal alien kids. Oh, their parents are being deported. And it's only because they shoved themselves on us. They engaged in labor and human smuggling on their own volition. They, they're the ones and their lawyers are the ones who created this anchor baby fallacy. They could easily take their kids with them. But we will not hear the other side nor will Republicans do this. I mean, the Willie Horton ads were devastating. We could do this to every Democrat every day and have enough ads to destroy them. No one does it.
Instead, Republicans obfuscate this and agree to the Democrat premise on every single issue. Now we lock up too many people. We have an over-incarceration problem. These are all the, I mean, a lot of these retards are people I worked with over my career. Heck, the Heritage Foundation is all bought into this. Even though Ed Meese wrote an op-ed against this stupid, for you know, jailbreak bill, and that was before they made it much worse. And he was like, wait a minute. When I signed on to criminal justice reform, I meant BS over-criminalization of like these BS um, thought crimes and, you know, some of these regulatory issues. We weren't talking about drug traffickers and cartel members. And, and no, like we weren't talking about that. And but I, I don't know what the politics are there. The whole foundation is supporting this stuff. This is where we are. We've gone from the party of Reagan to the party of Kim Kardashian's rear end. And Trump, who ran as, as the ultimate law and order guy, got sucked into it. That's how weak of a movement we have. I was the only, if you want to call me a major figure, I don't think I am, last year to fight against it. I lost a four-year battle with that bill. But there's more to come. And in, in the states, they're doing this all over the place. They are deconstructing every part of the criminal justice system. It's impossible to convict anyone anymore, which is why they always, the prosecutors always have to get a plea deal. And then they come like, oh, the charges are so low, so they can't serve for much longer. Oh, Daniel, you want to lock up this guy on low-level charges? But then you see, like, even the worst of the worst, a lot of them get out after 15, 20 years. And they go straight to the victim. You know, it's interesting. One of the things that Heather wrote, and, and, and again, Heather, you and your family are always welcome on this program to tell your story. I mean, it was just kind of, I didn't know what to do with it. Um, man, is that, is that terrible? Um, and, and these people have no voice. These people have no voice. One, one of the things I really wish, if I had money, what I would do is start a group for victims of crime, victims of illegal immigration, tell their stories, legal advocacy, legal help, GoFundMes, and political advocacy to, to combat what everyone else is doing. There's nobody else. You have the National Sheriff's Association. I offer to do pro bono work for them. Um, they just have no, no money or no, no organization really to do much. That's it. Nobody stands for this anymore. It's just so, so sad. So sad. But the best we can do is publicize this and tell the other side of the story. The other side of this. People getting out all the time. So anyway, I cut myself off there. One of the things Heather mentioned is that she was promised by the, by the cops that she would be notified before this guy is released. You know, Tom Cotton, the senator from Arkansas, proposed an amendment to the First Step Act, and he said, look, just at least allow the following. Have the prison warden notify a victim before they do this early release under this anti-recidivism programs, very magical programs, written by left-wing horrendous human beings. The very people who agitated for the bill are the vendors that BOP now has to contract with to write these curriculum. And so basically they attend classes on how 
our country is white supremacist and the cops are evil and Marxist theology, and then they get let out based on that, a third of their sentence. So at least allow the victim, notify the victim, and allow them to give an uh, impact statement. Not that, they'd not that the victim would have veto over the release under this amendment. It was just that they would know about it, be able to take precaution, and be heard. Nothing. It was voted down. Half the Republicans voted against it, including people like Mike Lee. So uh, there you go. That's where we are with crime. It doesn't have to be this way. I hate to end off the week on such a sour note, but it, it's not sour. It's telling the truth, and we got to get this information out. I can't even tell you how many cases I have in my mind this week. Egregious criminal alien cases or cases where the media is making these guys as celebrities. There's another guy in Seattle who's hiding in a church and virtue signaling. And the media is virtue signaling. He has a massive rap sheet. But ICE has privacy rules. They won't put it out. Guys applying for a U visa or something, so they can't say anything. Where is Mitch McConnell saying these issues will be front and center? And they speak to the broader problem. Because you can't view one sort of weapon and one sort of crime in a vacuum. You have to look at the culture of violence and why we are not deterring it. And we're not deterring it because we don't deter it because we have a weak system that's getting weaker by the day. And they're advocating that it's not weak enough. And then they have the nerve to come and say, hey, we need to stop this. We need Southern justice is what we need. Then come back to me about these mass shootings and all the other knifings and pillow attacks and everything. To this day, nobody in government has put out anything, not a single elected official, not a single um, DHS member, White House member, has written about the Kenyan killer, any of these cases we talked about this week. Chip Roy is the only one he retweeted some of my stuff on the Texas case. That's it. That is 100% it. So now we have judges saying sanctuaries could do whatever the hell they want. And uh, that's it with that. Nothing we can do about it. We got the gang murderer killed four people with a knife. Jailbreaks the culprit, not the weapon, because it was a knife. But Republicans won't use that. What else do we have? This is a little bit old. I think this is from last week. But to update, you remember that um, Ukrainian refugee Volodymyr Zukovsky, who killed seven bikers in New Hampshire. Five of them were uh, Marine veterans. This is from Boston 10 News, August 1st. The Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration report says 23-year-old Volodymyr Zukovsky tested positive after the crash for, crash for an unspecified drug, either a narco narcotic or um, amphetamine. And he was also reaching for an open container of alcohol. So he could have been drinking, likely was drinking. Um, this guy actually had a long record of DUIs, reckless driving, never monitored, never deported, no hearings on how five Marines lost their lives for nothing. On Massachusetts's role in, you know, 
not reporting criminal aliens, DHS's role in not deporting them, if there are statutes that need to be tightened up to ensure that we mandate apprehension of people, even with a green card, that have multiple DUIs and larceny convictions, which he had. You add up the death toll from all the cases I'm saying, they're more than El Paso, much more. Not to diminish that importance, but you have to look at this broadly. Republicans are saying nothing. Instead, rather than using all the material from this show this past week, monkey see, monkey do, whatever the Democrats want, they're going to do. And then there's another case. Some of you might know about um, uh, Jared Vargas. By the way, a family of legal immigrants who was brutally butchered by an illegal alien who had prior arrests and was never deported. He's in Chip Roy's district in San Antonio. San Antonio, You might hear him talk about it very often. So this happened a little while ago, but the trial is going out on now. Um, this is from Center for Immigration Studies, Todd Benzman, terrific, terrific investigative journalist. He also worked for Texas DPS Intel Division. We'll have him on the show. Those of you who are new to our video format, we've had him on our podcast um, the last year a number of times. So he's down in, in uh, San Antonio uh, listening into the trial. But basically, he says that the suspect, Ernesto Escoval Garcia, was 20 years old, just like his alleged victim, had been behind bars for drunk driving and also on an immigration detainer a year earlier. He posted bond granted by an immigration judge and um, a few weeks before the murder of Vargas, he was briefly behind bars again for violating his probation conditions. Sound familiar? But he was released despite those violations. <sighs> this guy was in the country illegally for about three years. He came to the attention of ICE after March 1st, 2017, arrest on drunk driving and criminal mischief charges in San Antonio. For those, he pleaded down to lesser charge, charge of obstructing a highway and received deferred adjudication with 12 months probation. This legal problem prompted deportation proceedings, but he quickly bonded out in April while the immigration case was set. It took a federal immigration judge more than a year to adjudicate the case against Escoval. Finally, weeks before Vargas was murdered, the immigration judge ruled and granted Escoval Garcia the chance to voluntarily leave by July 20th. He was also behind bars briefly, as he said. And then um, basically, basically, he went on to uh, to butcher Jared uh, Vargas. And, and he burned the burned the body, which is, you know, something you'll see very common in Mexico with the cartel violence. That's the type of violence we're now. I mean, believe me, as I said, we have plenty of this violence in America. We're bringing in more of that and that particular type of violence through our border. I, I mean, I'm not like making these things up. Th this is like one millionth of what's out there. This is just a fraction of what I actually have, but don't have time to talk about. And what I have is a fraction of what's out there. And then there's the border. Then there's the border. Just today, I broke the story. Now others have reported it. I heard it first from two agents on the ground. 
50 over 50 rounds were fired at a border agent. Um, they have what's called riverine crews, like marine crews on the Rio Grande River. Um, the boat was struck at least six times. They were fired on by cartels hiding in um, this island area in Star County, Texas. It has this island that's owned by Mexico in the river. It's a perfect hideout for them. They know they could shoot and our guys will back away. And I'm not blaming the agents because it, it was dark and because they ultimately don't have authority to go into Mexico, they don't know what they're shooting at and they just have to get out of there. But why don't we then now send the military back there to go get them? And what my buddy Jason Jones will have on the show as well, former Texas DPS uh, counterterrorism as well as a counter cartel operative, He's, he's the expert on cartels. He said what this tells him is that they were likely trying to get a cartel boss into our country. So that's why they had to shoot at the agents to get them out of there. And they know they'll get out of there. You tell me this is not an invasion. All week, these people, you see the news, these cartels draping dismembered bodies from bridges. C CJNG cartel and the Gulf cartel. And this area, by the way, is near Miguel Aliman where it's the seam of the CDN and Gulf cartels fighting each other. My, my contacts tell me there's gunfights every night they hear over the river. And we don't use the, our military there. Instead, we use it in Afghanistan and get our soldiers killed for nothing. Who is giving a narrative on this? I challenge you to send this show to your non-conservative friends and get their feedback. Do you disagree with me? This is independent thought that you're not going to hear elsewhere. It's not party line stuff. It's stuff that I think most Americans agree with, even Democrats, yet most conservatives at an elite level don't give a darn or are, on the, are downright on the other side of the issue, depending on the issue. So there's a lot of stuff in my stack. I haven't gotten to everything. I mean, there's, there's a lot more to talk about on the border, but I got to run. Send me your feedback. Send me what you want me to talk about. Send me um, your stories. I'll try to be a voice for them. I'm just one man. But you know what? You guys are helping me build this movement. And the more you send this show around, subscribe to our YouTube channel at Conservative Review. Send the show to 50 of your friends. That's your new assignment. 50 friends and family members. We will actually bring the outside pressure in and truly drain the swamp. Not just talk about doing it, but joining it. Have a great weekend.